Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Welcome to High Stakes, episode 30. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. You can find me on Twitter at PlayerQDFS. High Stakes is produced by Mike Lawrence. You can find him on Twitter at AwesomeYo. And our guest today is DK. You can find him on Twitter at DK underscore underscore DFS on DraftKings. He is Comandera. You probably know him as one of the best DFS tilters in the game. He's always tweeting out mad about something, some player underperforming or overperforming, some chalk player overperforming. DK is uh, frequently on Twitter talking about how the plays are going. He's also a content creator for several different sports and different platforms on YouTube, on Patreon. He has a lot of different uh, places that he's doing content. He creates great content. I've watched a lot of it. Uh, DK, how are you doing today? Neil, thanks for having me on. Yeah, uh, excited to be on and uh, and talk a little DFS, talk some background. And uh, yeah, if you guys want to uh, follow me on Twitter, you can always do so. Uh, you know, we'll be tilting bad chalk, good chalk, all that good stuff. So yeah, and actually, read it. It's at DK underscore underscore DFS. Two underscores, Some, yeah. some somebody had already taken the uh, at DK underscore DFS. I take it. Yep, and then there's like 20 DK DFSs as well. That's a that's a story for another time. But yeah, DK <laughs> underscore underscore DFS. Interesting. Okay, actually, I'll I'll start there. I wasn't planning up, but it just occurred to me. Eric Most, he the most one one of the previous guests on this show, uh, need lunch money on DraftKings. Asked how long did it take him to come up with that username? Uh, he was joking, but uh, is DK a DraftKings reference or is that like your initials? Was it uh how did you come up with at DK underscore DFS? Yeah, so my initials. DK and then yeah so a lot of people think it was from DraftKings but it's my initials and then when I created the Twitter account DK DFS was taken and DK underscore DFS was taken so I was like well I guess I'm going with two underscores <laughs> yeah it, it just looks like it's like a generic like at DK underscore DFS doesn't really stand out because you know I see that and I just think DraftKings DFS whatever and obviously Eric was thinking the same thing uh, that's funny um, I do want to ask you right away about that hat people probably can't see it you, you wear your hat a little bit higher on your head than I do uh, I guess you mm -hmm. probably got uh, better, better hairline than I do. So you were a hat a little higher. Uh, that is similar to my, I, I've got a very similar XFL hat. When did, when did you get this XFL hat? So it was when the season rebooted in 2020, um, and played XFL DFS for, what was it? Five weeks, had a lot of yep. fun doing so. Um, 
excited for the new season. Hopefully they have good contests for it. But yeah, I was a big XFL fan before I got shut down for COVID. So uh, that's why I got the hat. Were you were you around and or an XFL fan back in the 90s when it was going on? Or was this just, are you just a newfound 2020 XFL fan? Yeah, so I was pretty young when it first started. Um, so I think I, re- I remember watching like the, I think the first game, I think I was like six years old or something. So I, I remember uh, when it first started, but I definitely didn't uh, watch all the games. I think I only watched one or two games. So more so fan when it rebooted and then... Um, hopefully going to be watching most of the games this season as well. Yeah. I'm simple. I actually don't remember it from the nineties. Like I, I know that it was a thing I was, I'm guessing I'm a little bit older than you. So I was, you know, old enough that I could have watched it, but don't really remember it from the nineties. Definitely got into it more with the DFS in 2020. Uh, one other thing that I wanted to ask you about right away, cause it's right at the top of your Twitter profile. Uh, you were uh, Paris Hilton tweeted about you and told people to go to your page. How do you know Paris Hilton? What, what's the connection there? Yeah, that is something that I constantly get asked because people are like, how, like, what is that connection? That makes no sense at all. But so the background is my ex-girlfriend's cousin actually married Paris Hilton. So that's how I knew her. And so I hung out with her a good amount, like when, whenever there's like family get togethers and that was her Christmas gift to me was the shout out on Twitter. So that's hilarious. That's a great yeah, Christmas. She's gift. uh she's pretty cool. She's she's uh, a little bit more quiet in person, but really nice. And uh yeah, so that was that was a shout out. And I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I'll just pin it to my profile. Definitely seems like a, a different person than we thought of her as being, you know, 20 years ago. Now I know I, I don't follow Paris Hilton very closely, I'll be honest, but uh she's very much in the NFT space now, seems uh, to kind of understand what's going on seems more mature than we probably gave her credit for back in the day, but that's a, that's a very cool Christmas present to get that shout out. Um, all right. Uh, so we, we talked about the the tilting a little bit. People have started tweeting at you whenever they are tilting, whenever they're mad about something, people tweet at you. What's that like? Do you, do you enjoy those interactions with people? Yeah, who are just like, say- okay, this guy sucks. <laughs> how, how do you like that? You, you originally brought it up and then I was like, people are, people tag me like every single day. To be honest, I love it. I think people are, are hilarious when they tag me in their tilt tweets because it's just so relatable, right? We all go through it. And um, yeah, I, I personally love it. Um, I, seeing it every day, whether it be in YouTube comments or on Twitter. Um, so the more the merrier. If you guys want to tag me and you're like frustrated about it, a player, let me know because I think it's, I think it's really, really funny. Okay, but what do you do if you disagree with them? If somebody's like, yeah, DK, this guy totally sucks. He was a terrible play and he's going off. And you're like, no, he's a great play. And I played him. What do you do in that case? <laughs> well, I'll just be like, you know, I'll, I still like it. Like, I'm like, if I disagree with someone and they're tilting, it's like, it is what it is. I'll, I'll still be like, yeah, I understand where you're coming from. I'm on the other side, but I still think it's hilarious. And I'm not going to be like, I'm not going to start an argument because I'm like, oh, I disagree with you now. <laughs> Okay. And and so much of your energy and time seems to be spent, you know, tilting on Twitter. What do you do when you're just winning though? Like if you're just like your, your players are all doing well, you're winning money. What do you do yeah. then? So that, that's another good question. If I'm pretty quiet about a slate, if you don't see much from me throughout the night, that usually means it's a pretty good sign. Right. Um, so that, and same with YouTube too. Like if I have a winning night, I'll like cover it for like 20, 30 seconds and move on. If something really bad happens and bad shot goes off, you're hearing about it for like 10 minutes and you're obviously going to hear me rant about it on Twitter. So okay. usually, usually if I'm having a good night, I'm pretty quiet on Twitter. Okay. Yep. That that makes sense. You, you like yeah. tweeting when you're mad about something and don't really feel the need to tweet when you're winning. Okay. I get exactly. that. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. Uh, so I want to talk a little bit about your background. Uh, it's how I usually start these shows, talking a little background. Um, and I just usually like to start, uh, what kind of background do you have in statistics? Do you have any formal or informal statistics training? Yeah, so I was an uh, econ major in college, so I had some statistics classes, but that was about it. So nothing like crazy. I want to say maybe two or three statistics classes, um, but yeah, I never took anything like advanced with, with that. So. Okay, well, that's, you know, a little bit of a background. Uh, and then computer programming, same question. Do you have any formal or informal training in computer programming? Uh, I don't. I, I know okay. a lot of people in DFS do, but uh, that's not something that I ever really got into at all. So Okay. Makes sense. Uh, and then just more into your professional background. We actually got a question, listener question from uh, Jonathan Rupert asks, do you do DFS full time? And if not, what is your day job now? Yeah. So when I first moved to Chicago, I had a day job. I worked for a financial software company and um, like my coworkers there, but the, the job itself was something that I didn't really enjoy. Um, and then I started doing uh, DFS full-time in the summer of 2021. So now it's been about a year and a half since I've been doing this full-time. Um, and I think it was the best decision I ever made. So, yeah. yeah. Both DFS and of course, DFS content. I mean, you're, you're doing your content constantly. So it's not, you don't have to entirely rely on just DFS right. profits. You can also make money uh, doing content. Um, what about, okay. So, so tell me about prior to that, tell me about your profession. I guess you just did tell me a little bit about your professional background, uh, anything else that's relevant to DFS or any related hobbies prior to, uh, joining, starting DFS full-time. Yeah. So one thing that I don't think I've ever even brought up, uh, on my channel was I was really big into chess back in the day like when I was really young. Um, so kindergarten through fourth grade, I like did tournaments like all over Michigan um, and I was the champion of Michigan second and third grade. So like, I was wow. pretty, pretty good at chess when I was really young, but I gave that up because I just preferred like playing sports. And that was definitely something I regret because I don't know, I just, I love chess. I love like, um, playing it and it's somewhat similar to DFS because it's all about, you know, thinking what your opponent's going to do. So, um, yeah, that was, I think like having that chess background definitely did help me a little bit with getting into DFS. It's um, pretty common background. Yeah, yeah. But I, I definitely regret it because I don't I don't know where I could have been if I kept playing uh, chess. But um, yeah, unfortunately, I gave it up for, for sports back in the day. So Okay, so I'm not even going to bother asking you if you could beat Chess Liam. That's where I was going to go to see, <laughs> you know, try to set up a, a match between you and Chess Liam. But it sounds like you've been kind of out of the loop. Yeah, um, I play maybe a couple times a year now, so he would okay. kill me if okay. we played. And I, uh, I actually, Eric, he the most was also a chess player. It's a pretty common theme among great TFS players. Makes sense. I mean, if you love a good puzzle, some some game theory, you're also playing mm -hmm. against other people, a little bit competitive. Kind of makes sense that uh, that if you were somebody who was really into chess, that you'd also get into DFS. So uh, makes sense there. Um, approximately when did you start getting involved with DFS and what drew you in? Yeah, so I think it was 2012 or 2013 when I first started playing. I was like a sophomore in college. Um, and my friend, when he originally told me about it, I was like, oh, this is like, this is perfect. And this is for me. Like, I was like a kid in a candy store. I was like, oh, this is like so exciting. I loved it. And uh, because I was always big into sports, big into gambling, I was like, this is, this is perfect for me. So, 
Um, started, yeah, back in the day. And obviously the competition was a lot softer back then, but um, that's when I started. And uh, yeah, I've been enjoying it ever, ever since really. So well, that, that's a long time. I did not realize that you had been playing for so long. That's like over, you've been playing for over a decade. That's, uh, I mean, probably one of the earlier DFS players who's still active. I've also been playing approximately that long. Um, mm-hmm. So one of, one of the OGs, uh, were you a winning player right away? Um, I would say no, not right away, but it didn't take me too long because I mean, you know, like if, as long as you just did like a little bit of research back then you could be profitable. And I was kind of following the strategy back then that was pretty common of like 80% cash gains, 20% GPP. Um, so I was mainly a cash game player actually back then. Um, I don't play cash at all now, but, um, yeah, it took me a little bit, but then once. I would say maybe six months or so. Then I kind of got the feel for it. And I still wasn't like a great player back then, but I, the field was so much softer that as long as you, you knew what you're doing a little bit, I, I feel like you could make money. Yeah. I, same boat here. I was, I was not a winning player right away. So no shame in that. There are just some real, real sharks out there winning the GPPs playing, you know, at that time, 500 entries in a contest and just sweeping the board. The, the con, do you remember Condia? I do. Yeah. I remember him. I remember like all the DFS OGs. I think when I first started, I actually played MLB, which I don't play now. And I want to say like I first started, I was like, I did a $1 contest. I won. Then I did like a five or a $10 contest. I won. I was like, Oh, this is easy. Like this is, come on. I can, I can, I can do the high stakes. I think I did like a $25 one and then lost. I was like, well, that was a mistake. (laughs) I got in a little bit over my head. Yeah. That's uh tough sport and some of those some of those ogs really were ahead of their time just having things like projections that they use good projections uh was basically what it take took to win back then and of course i didn't have that i think a lot of us did not have access to those projections yeah i don't uh, even think there was like any projections or ownership or anything for a while not publicly yeah yeah Yeah, maybe they were somewhere but i i did not know about them was did not have access to them so yeah could have been could have been ahead of our time if we had just found those projections figured out how to make them on our own early on but uh, i guess we missed that boat we have to play a little bit more game theory uh in which sport or sports do you have the biggest edge in DFS? Yes, that's a good question. Um, for me, it's the more niche sports. So the preseason NBA, NFL, and the summer league, that's actually where I go. That's where I have my most action. Um, it's stressful because it's a lot of, you know, looking for info on Twitter and constantly updating and, and constantly looking for stuff. But those are the sports actually where I've had my most success, and that's where I get my most action down as well. And I would assume then XFL falls into that bucket as well. So that's we, we talked about it a little bit, I think, before yeah. the show that uh, we're both pretty excited about it, but also just really hope that they have big contests because it's pretty similar to, to those other. Would you agree with that, that it's similar to like preseason or uh, or, you know, I don't know, other niche kind of sports just in that? You know, the projections maybe aren't as good. It really is more like news based. You really have to be scouring Twitter. Hundred percent, yeah. That's why I'm really hoping they have decent sized contests. Because like I would like to cover it, but if the contests are really small, I don't think it would be worth it. So, um, yeah, I really hope they do have good sized contests. Because when they started back in 2020, it was 100k to first. Um, right. I know. I won yeah. one of those. <laughs> yeah, it was. Those those were the days. I don't. I I'm guessing we're not going to see that. I'm really hopeful that we do get those 100k to first. But uh, I'll be if if they're just 50k to first, I would take that. I'd be kind of pleasantly surprised if we get some 50k to first XFL contests. Uh, but 
I guess I guess we'll see. And, and who knows if FanDuel is even going to do them. I know uh, DraftKings is going to have something for XFL, but uh, I don't even know if we can count on FanDuel necessarily even having contests. I guess we'll see. Did, uh, did FanDuel have them uh, for the 2020 season? That, that was actually the one that I won was on. FanDuel. Oh, okay. They did. Okay. Uh, so as DraftKings would do the full weekend slates where it would be all four games. Mm-hmm. FanDuel would break it up Saturday and Sunday, just two game slates, uh, which was pretty interesting a lot of obviously duplication was a big thing in those two game slates because everybody just basically played whoever had done well the week before and it was right. kind of an issue um but yeah they they had it uh not not confident they're gonna have it again this year but we'll see um let's talk a little bit of process for and maybe we can talk about different sports as well but <clears throat> just uh just starting with some some general question uh do you do any simulations or use simulations from outside sources as part of your process at all? Um, I don't know. My process is relatively simple. Like I don't, I don't do a ton because I'm a single entry player. So my, my content more so is based around game theory. So um, I don't really make any projections or or run simulations Um, heavily game theory uh, focus for sure. Okay. Cool. Uh, and, and I guess then your hand bill, you're not, you're not even using an optimizer. No. Yeah. I'm, I'm building one lineup, which is, I, I mean, I do, I've always wanted to build 150. Like I've always wanted to, to try MMA. Um, but I do a stream before uh, lock every single day for, for my Patreon. So I feel like if I was to do MME, it would kind of be unfair for those people. Cause I like, if late news came out and I would be like, I had to re-crunch, like, I don't want to do that for like half the stream. So I just, sure. one lineup is, is easier for me because I can still make some changes. And if we get late news while still like answering questions and all that. So yeah, that's, that's the main reason I don't MME, even though I've always wanted to. Yeah. I, as somebody who has, who has MME while doing live before lock shows, I got to say it is not fun. It definitely adds an element of stress. And, and I do, I like, I, I do uh, focus on the show more so than my lineups generally, but then it's mm-hmm. to the detriment of my lineups. I definitely don't do as well on those slates. So I think that makes sense if you're doing exactly. it. I feel like, I feel like if I was to do it, I would, I would still focus more on, you know, the show itself and answer questions, but then I'll be like, all right, well, I definitely made some mistakes here. In the back of your mind, you're trying to, yeah, it's a, uh, it's a tough balance for sure. It makes sense to, to not MME if you are, you know, doing a live stream before, before mm-hmm. lock. Uh, I think you said that you do not uh, do anything with projections at all either. Um, no. Yeah. I don't, I don't make my own projections or simulations or anything. Okay. And, and what about ownership projections? Do you, you know, look at other sites for ownership projections or just listen around the industry? How do you get an idea about? Yeah. Ownership? So I, I do look at ownership projections this year. I actually didn't previous to that. I kind of would just like listen around the industry just to get a general idea. Um, but now I do, uh, do look at ownership and a couple different sites just to get a, a, a general idea. But that's really the only thing that I'll use. Other than that, it's, it's just like hand building and, and process and game theory. Okay. Uh, and how much does ownership play a role for you in creating your lineups? Um, I would say ownership plays a pretty big role. Um, I would say, um, you know, everything is relative, but yeah, I would say ownership definitely, definitely plays a pretty big role. I know some people not as much. Um, but for me, like if it's, if it's a wide enough gap, if it's a wide enough gap, uh, between players where one player projects a little bit better, but, um, the other ones like way lower owned, I'm just going to go for the lower owned one. So, um, yeah. 
I kind of had a feeling because that's, you know, oftentimes what you're tilting is the players who are very highly owned, maybe uh, that we, we think are over-owned mm-hmm. doing well, right? So it's uh, it's part of part of your tilt process as well as yeah. the players who are coming in at high ownership. It's the, uh, yeah, like the one, one example was, I don't know if you played this late, the Saban Lee slate like a week ago where he was projected to start, did not start and was still like 70% owned. And <laughs> it was looking like he was going to DNP because um, Dwayne Washington checked in before him. Yeah. Uh, he didn't even play in the first quarter. And then because I faded him, I pivoted off him. I was like, I think this ownership's going to be too high. Pivoted off him, looking like he was going to DNP. Dwayne Washington played so bad that he got benched. Saban Lee came in and smashed off the bench and looked like 30 fancy points. Well, that was the whole theory behind the play is that the starter was going to fail and Saban Lee. No, I, uh, yeah, I did, everyone, I everyone knew Dwayne Washington was going to get benched and Saban Lee was. Yeah, yeah, bench. exactly. Uh, yeah, that, that is some, some tough luck. And those are the most tilting when like, People got there on bad process, but then it works out anyway. I think that is, uh, I'm with you. That is, that is the most tilting type of outcome. Uh, I don't remember. I think I, I think I had some Saban Lee in that game. I don't know how much I had, but uh, that's, uh, I understand being tilted by that kind of thing. Um, would you call yourself an exploitative player? Like, do you look at how, you know, ownership where, where you think other people are going to be in terms of ownership and then play like above the field like more than you think a player should be i guess you're only playing one lineup so maybe mm-hmm. that's uh maybe it's maybe it's a tougher question in terms of looking at percentages of how much you play but do you think you are trying to exploit the, the field's mistakes when you're creating lineups yeah definitely i would say a little bit more so maybe for like late swap situations questionable players but um definitely yeah i, I think so um like i think i think one of the bigger edges still in dfs is when you have those questionable players in the late game um if like people are not willing to leave flexibility or like give yourself that chance to if this player's out then we can get this player i always look at it like what is what's the ceiling like worse worse comes to worse i'm going to lose my entry fees and that's okay because i lose most nights playing gpps i always look at it like what is what is the upside here like for example Memphis the other day when jaw was questionable and yep. you have a pretty clear beneficiary in Tyus Jones if he gets ruled out. So I was like, you know what, I'm going to risk it and, and get to Tyus Jones, even though Tyus Jones that day ended up coming at a relatively high ownership still. seems like everybody projected for jaw to be out, which is, which is definitely yeah. not expected, but it seemed like across right. the industry, everybody was kind of doing the same thing. I think he was, I think, yeah, I think he was more 50, 50 that day. I guess a better example would be the 76ers, on Saturday when Embiid and Harden were both questionable and that was the late game and we didn't okay. get that news until all yep. the other games started. Yep. So then I got like Maxi and Tobias and Melton at like really, really low ownership. So that's one thing I talk about a lot in my, my stream is I love it when we have questionable players in the late oh, game. Yeah. Because I think it's a pretty big edge late swap. People don't late swap correctly. Yeah, absolutely with you. That is the biggest edge in DFS. And I got to say like as somebody who used to handle and I would play five to 10 lineups per night, I was hesitant to late swap, you know, back back when I was a little bit more of a casual player because you, you know, you fall in love with your lineups with the plays that you're making. And unless one of your players ruled out, you're just like you, you kind of want to roll with what you have, but definitely a mistake to not be late swapping, taking advantage of these things uh, as they come up. Of course, easier when you have good projections and stuff and, and mm-hmm. late swapability and stuff. But um uh, yeah, I'm with you. Definitely something that is 
underutilized by the field. Hey guys, let me take a minute away from this conversation with DK to tell you that we have a great offer for new users only. You can get full access to everything Stochastic has to offer for NFL for five days free. Projections, ownership, 1v1 tools, lineup generator, top stacks tool, zero risk because it's all free. So sign up now using the link in the description of this video. Note that Fantasy Cruncher is an add-on and that can be added after the fact. How about uh, avoiding being duplicated by other players? Is that a big part of your strategy in any type of contest? So just avoiding lineup duplication. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so... You're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Yeah, so uh, single entry, yes. I mean, I play a little bit more contrarian, so I'm like, I know people are, are not going to really dupe me in, in single entry, but if I'm playing the big field contests like showdowns and I only have one lineup in there, that is something I like absolutely prioritize. Like, I do not want to be duped. Like, I'm not going to build a dumb lineup, but. Also, like, I want that first place equity. So, um, yeah, like, especially like showdowns, uh, I'll be way more willing to leave salary on the table or play a little bit more of a contrarian captain. Whereas if I'm playing just my single entry tournaments, I don't really care as much just because, you know, I'm still playing some chalk, but I, I know, like, I I'm not playing like a cash game lineup in a, in a tournament. So I know I'm not going to be duped there. Yeah, I think that's that's generally my thought as well. Like there are obviously showdown is probably the, the best example. The one you just gave is those contests. You run into a lot of duplication if you're not actively trying to avoid it, because any lineup that uses close to the full salary, people are going to be probably using that lineup with with some exceptions. You can find some that are not as well. But uh, yeah, definitely. Those are the types of contests for me where I have to focus a little bit more on avoiding being duplicated uh once your lineups are in I, I and i think i know the answer to this question based on your uh twitter tilting but uh do you do you sweat the games uh yeah i mean i so i usually don't like watching the games um especially if i'm if i know i'm gonna have a good night i'll just kind of keep an eye on it on my phone um but if like I'll, I'll watch games here and there but more so, I would like to try to keep my mind off things and like try to do something else while the games are going on, obviously while still keeping an eye on news. So I would say kind of, kind of like sweating it, kind of don't. Um, you know, obviously I have to keep an eye up until like the late game starts. Once like the, the late game starts, then I'll kind of just like put my phone away for a bit. Um, so I guess like here and there, I like to sweat. But as you said, I don't I don't really like watching the games while it's going on while I have a lot of action on it. Okay, interesting. I I. I... I think I initially started playing for the purpose of because I'm going to be watching the games. And it's going to make mm -hmm. it more enjoyable for me. Um, yeah, it's a good question whether it actually adds to that enjoyment or takes away from it. I would uh, say for football, like for the showdowns, I'll, I'll watch the football games for sure. But oh, yeah. for NBA, yeah, I usually I usually don't watch the games unless it's like just like the late game at the end or something. I'll try to keep my mind off things and do other stuff. Okay. Um, all right. And, and just, uh, I just want to talk briefly about your NBA process in particular. So mm -hmm. NBA, when does the process start of like looking at the games, looking at the players and what is involved in your NBA process? What leads to your lineup decisions? Yeah. So my process actually begins the night before, because that's when I'll, I'll make a video breaking down the slate the next day. So that's when I get kind of just the first look lineup out there for YouTube. And then 
wake up, I'll watch some content around the industry just to get general idea of kind of what everyone's doing. Um, usually I watch uh, stochastic. I'll watch the strategy show. Um, and then I will, um, you know, kind of keep an eye on news, uh, update my stuff for Patreon and then do my live stream before lock. So, um, kind of just like throughout the day, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on stuff, seeing what the industry is doing and obviously keep an eye on news updating from there and then finalize everything in the live stream. Does it ever feel like wasted time with NBA just because so much, so much comes down to that, that late breaking news or, uh, I mean, I guess you, you can't really know going in whether there is going to be late breaking news. So it's kind of worth spending that time anyway. Yeah. I mean, definitely like you waste time because it's like, I, I always feel like I never try to build my lineup either until like right before I get on my stream because I, I think it's kind of pointless because most of the most of the news comes out like an hour before lock or you know things that just completely change the slate like last night for example I was like I need this Denver news I can't even build my lineup without knowing what's going on so I was like I'm playing teacher McConnell and that's it because I need to see what else is going on what Denver's doing um so a lot of a lot of NBA content is like what I make the night before it's just kind of completely pointless up until like it doesn't mean anything until um you know when when the slate's starting so yeah usually with nba dfs all the line decisions all the important stuff is right around lock or even after lock but still maybe helpful to spend that time kind of get an idea of what which options are out there you know uh have a you know preconceived idea of like where a player is going to rank if they do come into play with injury uh that kind of thing so yeah still probably probably worthwhile at least definitely worthwhile because you are creating content about it too but even without the content maybe worthwhile to look at it a little bit um all right i want to get into a few listener questions uh the first one um a couple i'll start here a couple people on twitter uh said that you had blocked them on twitter uh they they said it was because you they disagreed with one of your opinions that you uh, probably while you're tilting one of your opinions they disagreed with something you said and according to them that led to a block so i wanted to ask you what what is your blocking policy on twitter yeah so i i really don't block that many people i would say the main reason if i block someone is harassment so um i saw that that person that replied to you he was in my discord a while ago just kind of harass people for a bit ask them nicely like can you not do that kept doing it so i was like okay like come on man i gotta i gotta remove you and then kept harassing me on twitter so that that's really the main thing as long as you're not doing anything crazy like i'm not gonna block you if you like you know disagree with a take or something that's totally fine but if it's just like the non-stop like ever after uh like every tweet then it's like okay then i'm gonna block you um the thing that i mentioned at the beginning of the show was one guy created like 15 burner accounts and then like nonstop was just like tweeting under uh, uh, about me. So that was when I was like, all right, man, like you have anything better to do? Like, come on. Right. So, At that point, uh, just get a life, man. It all started too with, it was really dumb. It started because he said that Chris Paul was worse off in DFS with Devin Booker off the court. I was <laughs> like, that's, that's just not true. That's just obviously wrong. <laughs> and yeah. I, I said, I said something along the lines of, Hey, you like, you want to enter my contest tonight? And, uh, he got really mad about that. And then he made like 15 burners. So, so, so you actually know who it is. It's not like some mystery person, you know, Well, it is. was, I mean, I don't know. Like, it's like the, his original Twitter account is like just some like random account. I don't So I right. don't know like who he is, but, um, yeah, if you search like DK DFS at Twitter, there's going to be like 20 accounts that pop up. So <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that's really funny. Yeah, it's always funny people who have these opinions based on like 
one time they played Chris Paul when Devin Booker was out and he didn't do well. So therefore Chris Paul is actually worse when Devin Booker is. I was like, no, you can, we have the data. Like you can actually look at the data. That's, tell you and that's what I showed him too. I was like, here's like the, like, here's the data. Like Chris Paul is clearly better with Devin Booker off the court, but he had one game this year, I think with Devin Booker off that he like didn't perform well. And like, he was just like, no, this is, this is the end. all be all he's worse off. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. Along those lines, uh, would you ever uh, like X a player out? Like a player, is, is, are there players who have disappointed you so many times that you're not willing to play them under any circumstances? No, I'll never X out someone. Like I don't, I don't care if they burn me a hundred times. I'll go back. Like as long as they're, as long as it's a good play on paper and like they're, like I guess one example for that would be Jaron Jackson Jr. in the playoffs last year. He sure. was a guy that was just getting in foul trouble every single game. And he was like low owned. And I kept telling people, I'm like, I like him in tournaments. Like one of these games, he's going to avoid foul trouble and have a really good game. And he got in foul trouble for like eight or nine straight games. So it was like a huge letdown. Finally, the 10th game, he avoided foul trouble and smashed for me. I was like, this is what I was trying to say, right? Like, so like, I don't nice. care if the players burn me a hundred times. Like, no, nah, I'll never ask them out. You, you got to have a short memory in DFS. It's funny because I, I say that and I'm like, well, you got to have a short memory. You also have to have a long memory. You just have to have like a good, I guess, understanding of like what are what probabilities, I guess. Like just because somebody burned you once doesn't mean they're going to continue to burn you. Just because somebody smashed for you once doesn't mean they're going right. to smash every game. Just, uh, I don't know. People are people are so emotional with their DFS uh, lineups, and and I know. I mean, you're you're a tilter, so so you understand the emotion. I understand the emotion. I I also uh, originally created my DFS account for the sake of just tilting into the Twitter sphere, um, right? Before I turn uh, into my now professional account, so I get it. There's a, no, but there's a lot of people that do that in DFS, and more so I will say on prop betting. I don't know if you follow like any Twitter accounts there, but there's people that are like. All right, this guy's banned. He's he's burned me three yeah. times. We, we can't go there. So, um, yeah, you should never do that. Never ban anyone. Never ask someone out. No matter how many times they burned you, it all comes down. Like each day is a different prop. Like so, yeah. But you, but you gotta love the people do it because it definitely helps us if other people are gonna be just xing people out, not oh, yeah. playing this guy. Of course, I I don't really believe people when they say that. I think that everybody you know they say that when they're feeling you know strong emotions about a player after they've burned them. But uh, they'll probably probably come back around. But you know, in some ways, I hope they don't because it's obviously uh, not a smart decision to X people out because they burn you once. Um, Fantasy Fling asks, will you have some live lineups while we're recording this show? He wants to see you live tilt. So do you have any PGA going on right now? No PGA for me. So uh, that, that would have been good. Like we could add a live sweat with the cut sweat, but no, I haven't been playing PGA really at all. I played a little bit um, when COVID first started because that was like the first sport that started back up. But yeah, no live swap for me right now. Um, I know people have like asked about that. Like, oh, like, can you do a stream like at night for like a live sweat? So maybe it'll be something I do down the line. But you mean um, for, for like NBA for other sports? Yeah, for other sports, like maybe bring on guests or like and be like, all right, like we're we're tilting uh, the late night games or something. Yep, yep, for sure. Yeah, PGA not something that I uh, have had much success at. So. Also something that I have large, I actually have a few lineups in the, uh, the contest going on right now, but, uh, yeah, sometimes I think you just gotta stick to the sports that you're good at and certainly not one for me. Um, BP Colonia asks, how do you run so good? <laughs> so BP, he is actually someone that runs really good. He's in my discord. Um, he's an MME player. He's, he's had a lot of success, but yeah. that's something that I always joke about like running bad, like, like no one runs worse. It's kind of like a, a bit that um and i'll talk about a lot on twitter and youtube 
And um, it, it's really a joke. Like, it's just something that, like, you know, I say it a lot. Jesse says it a lot on Twitter. But I know, like, there's there's people that, that do probably run worse. But that, that's something we'll talk about a lot with, you know, injuries or ejections or foul trouble or anything. So um, it's just kind of one of those things where, um, yeah, I guess it's like it's one of my go to's uh, on social media. Well, I mean, it's Jesse's Jesse's line is nobody runs worse. Do you, do you believe, Jesse, that nobody runs worse than him? I definitely do not agree with that because I've seen him run very good. He's <laughs> won too. he's won six figures twice in one week in NBA. So I would say he runs actually pretty good, not bad yeah. at all. Yeah, I think I think that Jesse runs fairly well. Jesse will never admit to it that he runs pretty mm-hmm. pretty well. I mean, he's a great player too. I'm not trying to say that he's just getting lucky, but uh you gotta run pretty well to to win some contests. And Jesse has won a lot over over the years in in many different sports so i don't think that he runs too badly we all obviously we can complain day to day the the reason the reason we don't win every day is because we have bad luck um but yeah uh, jesse certainly has his fair share of wins um okay bob jam 23 asks what do you do for fun outside of dfs yeah that's a good question so um you know, when I, when I do leave, uh, when I do leave the apartment, when I touch grass, which is pretty rare, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't go out a lot, but, uh, I like going to, uh, concerts, live music, um, or just, you know, hanging out with friends and, and watching sports. So a lot of my life still you know, just revolves around sports, even when I'm having fun, you know, going to games or just watching games. So, um, live music and, um, you know, just hanging out with friends would be, Probably the two things I do the most when I'm trying to have fun outside of DFS. What uh, what what kind of music? Any any concerts coming up? Um, yeah, so I'm more so into uh, EDM, but I kind of like all music. So um, concerts coming up, I don't have anything planned. More so in the summer when it's warm. So I'm in Chicago right now. So oh, you're in Chicago? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I'll 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 go to like some festivals in the summer and stuff. But right now it's like 20 degrees. So. Yeah, not doing a ton right now. Um, no, no shows upcoming. I don't. I don't remember if we if we talked about. Are, are you from Illinois originally, or is this a, a temporary stop or a new new home for you? Yeah, so I'm originally from Michigan. Um, okay. That's where I grew up, and then I moved here 2019. So I got like one year of Chicago pre COVID, which was kind of cool. Um, so I got to experience what it was like here before COVID. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I plan to be in Chicago at least for for a few more years. Um, okay. Yeah. And not, not too far from Michigan. My uh, my brother lives in Ann Arbor. What what part of Michigan are you from? Okay. Um, Bloomfield Hills area. Um, okay. that's like yeah. It's like if you, if you had said Ann Arbor, I'd say oh I've been there. But other than Ann yeah. Arbor, there's nowhere you're gonna say that I was gonna. It's like I think like 30 minutes outside of Detroit suburb suburb. So okay. my parents still live there, so I'll still like come home like a lot. I'll just take the train. So. Okay. I ha- I have been to Detroit once or twice. Uh, so I'm I'm familiar. With okay. a little bit of a as a C. Um Ali asks, why do you play single entry instead of MME? You kind of already answered this, and it's because you do shows. Is that uh is that you know as much of an answer as it is? Yeah, I would say that's that's really the main reason is I do the live shows before lock, and I don't think if I was to MME that I could give out, you know, the best possible content and, and focus on you know people that sign up for my stuff. So that's that's really the main reason. Uh, maybe one day I'll I'll try it out, but yeah, for, for now it's just going to be single entry, which is I think even more tilting uh, as a DFS player because you got to make those really tough decisions. And I feel like ever if I ever make like a two v two swap, it just it never goes well. So um, yeah, for for now it's just going to be single entry stuff for for that main reason. 
Do you ever think about just playing like five lineups just because, as you said, it can be more tilting just because mm-hmm. uh, in, in some cases, I mean, you have to make decisions where it's like, I really like this guy, but he, he's not going to make it into my one lineup. Like some some player who's, you know, going completely unknown because I, I used to I used to play like five lineups at a time. And even then I would be very upset. Like, I really love this player. I couldn't get him into my lineup. He's going off at like one percent owned. Uh, mm-hmm. Do you ever think about just upping it just a little bit to like five, ten entries? Um. I have. I mean, I've built like two two lineups before if I'm ever like really, really torn, but probably wouldn't do just like five to ten. So then I feel like it would still be a disadvantage for me if I'm playing against like 150 people. And so and I don't know if like I would just like enter all those into like single entry stuff. So um, probably I've thought about it, you know, just building a few more, but I, I think just going to stick with, with the one for now. Okay. And do you enter your one lineup into many different contests or just one contest? Yeah. So I will enter the, the big tournament every now, whatever, like the $15, yep. $10 tournament, I'll enter that. And then I'll enter some single entry tournaments. That's mainly, mainly what I'll do. And then I'll enter like the showdown and the late slate, but Single entry for sure is what I focus on. And then I'll always throw a line up in the big tournament just in case. Because if it so, does go completely off, you don't, you don't want to regret not being in that. Exactly. I, I, I will never, I do not want to have that regret no matter what. So like, no matter what I'm playing, I'm always going to enter the big tournament just in case I have the nuts. So yep. um, Me too. I, I lineup, like just in case it's a dart throw. Yeah. I don't understand how people do it where they'll enter a lineup where it's like, I only have this lineup in a contest that's $5,000 to first. Most of my entries are in $100,000 to first contest. I'm like, at that point, I would just repeat the lineups in multiple different contests rather than, I just never want to have the regret of this lineup that I made was awesome. I had the nuts and I entered mm-hmm. it in the wrong contest. So I've had, oh I've God. heard so many nightmare stories about that where people are like, Oh, like I had, like I would have won the hundred K, but I only entered this $5 tournament or I only entered this one tournament or like my, I don't know, cash shame lineup would have won it or something. So I always say like, always throw your lineup in the big tournament, no matter what, just in case you have, uh, have the nuts. Yep. I'm, I'm with you. That's uh, I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. Um, okay. We got one more listener question. Uh, this is a, a fun one. Bayesian test system asks, please ask him for a power ranking top three or five of DFS tilters on Twitter. You're allowed to include yourself on the list if you choose. So can you, can you give me five best DFS tilters or if not five, at least, you know, three or four. Ooh, that That's a tough one. So I would say probably me and Jesse would be at the top just because maybe there is someone else that, that, that tilts all the time, but I think we're the most consistent with it on Twitter um you know tilting bad chalk or whatever it is so i would say me and jesse are probably one two um jake anderson i would say uh would probably be number three he's a guy that uh, that always has some good tilts as well um and then i don't see anyone else that's like really consistent with it if people are more consistent on twitter with it then then i'll add them to the power rankings but right now i think that's that's where it'd be um so you want to get your tilt game up and and you know and get to the top of the list uh, got to be more consistent with it so any any viewers out there um let me know if you show me consistency uh we'll add you to the list what what does it take to be a great tilter um i think just um that's a good question i would say you know the tilting the bad chalk for one and then um just having some some funny like funny stories about like oh, you finally fade this person and he goes off or, you know, I've been playing that like one, one example for me, which just 
literally, I was going crazy the other night was I've been playing Malik Monk at low ownership for like six straight slates. I played in my single entry lineup and like every single time he shot 5% from the field. Finally didn't have him the other night and he had like a triple double. So um, yeah, just, just, you know, be funny and, and uh, throw some, uh, throw some good tweets out there. Okay, it's driving me crazy that I can't think of his name. There's a, a guy who I'm friends with on Twitter who uh, posts trash gifts all the time. Do you know who I'm talking about? I, I can't. I, for some reason, I'm blanking on his name, name as we're doing this week. Are you familiar with uh, the the Twitter poster who uh, always posts trash gifts about different players night to night? Because I'd say hmm. he's, for me, one of the top Twitter uh, Twitter tilters. And I don't know why. Just right now, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, while we're on the show, I don't think you... I'm familiar with that guy. But if you if you uh, if you find out after the show, let me know who that is. I'll take okay. I'm I'm gonna keep looking for him because I and I are just trying to think of his name because it's uh, I interact with him all the time on Twitter. He's a friend of mine on Twitter, and for some reason, I'm just blanking on his name right now. Okay, uh, well, uh, in lieu of finding that answer, I'm just gonna ask you the questions that I like to close out these shows with. Can you tell me about your favorite win or win celebration? Sure. So. I mean, for me, I really don't celebrate much after a big win. Um, I would say probably my go-to after I have like a really big night would be uh, treat myself to Chipotle. That's one, that's one thing I always talk about. I, I get that a lot. Uh, I talk about it in my Discord. Um, but yeah, I really don't like, I'm not going to go out and like party after a big win or anything. I'm, I'm more so chill, like you know, maybe get some good food and, and, and sit back and relax. So um, I've never had one of those stories where, you know, I'm out and like celebrating with friends or something. And, you know, we're, we're taking shots because I just won big or something. Now I'm, I'm more, more low key about it. You know, maybe get some food, some Chipotle, which I, which I eat all the time, by the way. And uh, yeah, so no, no crazy, like big win stories for me. I got to be honest. You don't look to me like somebody who eats a lot of Chipotle. Um, really? Kind of surprised to hear that you, I mean, you don't have the build of, of somebody yeah. who I associate with a lot of uh, Chipotle eating. But, it's uh, uh it's it's my go-to it's also like right by my apartment so i would say probably a couple times a week i even have i should have wore it but i have a chipotle shirt where i have like my order on it you can like get them like custom so that's that's something i'll wear a good amount as well okay uh the, the user i was trying to think of on twitter was the check 182 uh, oh check I, I i think i have i don't know if i follow him but i think i have seen that um he calls in, in his twitter bio trash man Play like trash, get a gift, uh, DFS lover and pro tilter. So uh, he, he can, he, you know, and I, I will consider him one of my top five tilters on Twitter okay. uh, with, the, with the constant trash cans. He's definitely up there as well. I'm going to have to, yeah, I'm going to have to give him a follow back and see if he's consistent with it. He'll be, uh, he'll be right. Oh, he's, he's consistent with it. Yeah, I, I put him right up there with, <laughs> with you and Jesse and Jake. Yeah, yep. he's, he's in that list. Uh, okay, DK, where, where can people find you? Th thanks a lot for coming on, by the way. Uh, and, and where can people find you if they want to look for you after the show? Yeah, so YouTube, it's uh, DKDFS, and I'll be doing, you know, I do the shows the night before, so if you ever want, like, a first kind of look, break down the slate, I'll have that on my YouTube. Uh, I'll be doing streams from time to time there as well. And then just on Twitter, it's DK underscore underscore DFS, but those are the two main ones. Um, I don't really have a, any other social media platforms. I mean, I'm trying to get into TikTok a little bit, but I'm that's... I'm too old for it. I feel like I've been trying to make the short form content. It's just, it's hard for me. So <laughs> mainly focused on YouTube and Twitter. All right. 
at DK underscore underscore DFS on Twitter. Look for the guy with the Paris Hilton shout out at the top of his Twitter profile. All right. Thanks. Thanks a lot for coming on DK for high stakes episode 30. A lot of fun to have you on. Thanks to Mike Lawrence for producing as always. Uh, You can find Mike on Twitter at awesome. Yo, and thank you for listening. Hope you have a great weekend. You'll be able to find episode 31 of high stakes two weeks from today on Friday afternoon. Have a great weekend. Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com slash play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.